Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, Hawk fans, to another episode of Hawk Talk. We have another awesome episode to bring to you today, and we're going to be talking, of course, pregame, all about the Colorado State Rams. I don't know why I want to say Buffaloes. I always look at the mascot and think Buffaloes, but they're the Rams. So excited to bring you the pregame to talk about that, talk through uh, a little bit about the recap of Kent State's game, the 30-7 win over Kent State. But before I do that, I want to introduce my guest host who's jumping on. It's coming up on me having to eliminate the guest title in that regard. But, you know, he's a uh, He's a two-time All-Big Ten member. He has uh, he, he definitely anchored the right side of the offensive line for the Iowa Hawkeyes throughout the early 2000s. Welcome to the show. I guess host again, David Porter. David, welcome. Thank you, man. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for joining me, sir. I really appreciate it. And great representation today on the defensive side of the ball. You know, I try to Try to make sure that we got some representation, Dave. I appreciate the fact that I can get this man to jump on with us. He's a very busy man, has a hugely busy schedule, but he made some time for me today. I appreciate it. Uh, his staple four-year starter for the Iowa Hawkeyes secondary, uh, the original Legion of Boom for the Iowa Hawkeyes secondary. Uh, young man out of Pennsylvania, I don't say Pennsylvania, but out of PA, who has returned back to PA and doing some great things out there in that community. Thank you, thank you for joining me on the show today. Welcome, everybody. Say it that way. I'm going to edit that part out. Welcome to the show today, Jovan Johnson. Jovan, thank you for joining me today, sir. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. I wouldn't say I was the head of the Legion of Boom. I, that might have been Bob's title, but <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah, that's possible. But however, you know, what you did over there, at the, that corner position, manning that position for those four years, man, it was uh, pretty awesome and a key contributor cornerstone for those early 2000 defenses, man. So thank you again for joining the show, brother. I appreciate you and your expertise today. Absolutely. Anytime. No doubt, man. So let's jump right into it, guys. Let's recap a little bit about that 30 to 7 win the Hawks had over Kent State, man, a very veteran-laden group. You know, Dave, we talked about it before. It was a veteran-laden MAC team uh, that took Texas A&M to the wire in the first half. You know, they were they were right there with Texas A&M. Uh, we struggled early, sustained we struggled early to sustain some drives against that 3-3-5 defense. And defense got the scoring started on a safety. And that started the momentum the Hawks' way. Yeah, the defense was definitely the spark that we needed. And they've, they've been consistent performers all year long, right? When we need a spark, it's usually coming from our defense. And then if, we, if they're not stepping up, it comes from our special teams, right? Uh, and that's what got us started with uh, Kent State. I mean, the defense really just... Got that safety, boom, momentum starts to shift. And then we get that punt and <laughs> it gets down within the within five yards. All right. That's what that's actually what started the whole thing, right? The punt getting down inside the five yards, allowing the defense to like pin their ears back and say, Hey, you're in the you're in that uh you're in the end zone, your feet are in the end zone. We want to make sure you stay there. And now we got some points. So that's what sparked it. And then the offense started to get into it after that. But that was after a couple three and outs. We really started to really assert ourselves a little bit after that. But then it became very consistent, right? The seven points here, seven points a quarter, just kind of kept going through. 
But, you know, for this coming game, I'm looking for us to start fast and follow through and get our get our starters out of the game early. That's what I really want us to do this game. No doubt, man. That'd be awesome to be able to uh, get the get a huge enough lead, get a large enough lead that they can jump and, and put some secondary guys in the game. May not be the case, but, you know, it's, it'd be an awesome opportunity. Jovan, let me ask you, man, since I got you on the call. You talk, they talked about the defense and how well they've been playing throughout the season with the 3-0 start. Defense has done a great job of starting some scoring, had some takeaways, some major takeaways that have led to scores. What are you seeing from Phil Parker's defense that, uh, that really has you want, feeling strong about them moving forward? I, I think, you know, that front seven is playing a, at a high clip, um, allowing those secondary guys to make some plays. Um, they're getting after the quarterback early and often. Um, Phil's doing a lot more uh, in the blitz game than, than what I'm used to, but um, he's mixing it up and, and allowing that defense to play fast and play physical, you know, which is a staple of the Iowa defense. Um, offensively, they're, they're continuing to grow. They're allowing Petrus to, to grow as he goes. Um, but their running game has been stout. The offensive line has been playing amazing. Uh, special teams-wise, they've, they've done an excellent job of pinning people back um, when they punt the ball. Uh, Terry Roberts and company out there on the gunner is making plays, a fellow Erie guy, um, making plays in the special teams unit. And, you know, they're, the defense is just doing what, what Phil – and the defense normally does, and, and that's keeping opponents' points down. Um, through three games, they've only given up 30 points in total, so they're averaging 10 points a game. And when you only average 10 points a game against defensively, you win a lot of football games. So they're doing an outstanding job defensively and, and allowing that offense to continue to evolve. No question. No question. Now, you talked, you touched a little bit on, on Phil's defense and, and how, you know, it, I would say a little bit more vanilla as the defenses were back in the day, early 2000s. How do you feel that uh, the blitzing style, the heavy, heavier, a few more blitzes uh, style of defense kind of helps the defense, and especially as it pertains to getting after the quarterback, maybe making them uncomfortable? What, what does that do for a defense? Yeah, it, it gets the quarterbacks off their spot. It makes them throw the ball um, into tight coverage windows when they don't want to. Um, you know, a lot of quarterbacks don't want to take sacks and get behind the sticks. So, you know, putting that pressure on the quarterbacks, we've always, when we were there, had outstanding fronts and guys that can just get after the quarterback without having to bring pressure. So, um, you know, that allows for those defensive backs to, to sit on some routes, possibly jump some, uh, some throws and things of that nature. Um, they pick the ball off quite a bit in those first three games, which, you know, is, is a good thing for the offense because it puts them in position to score points. And they just and they just continue to, to go out there and, and be successful. I mean, the defense has put the ball in the end zone uh, quite a few times uh, this season. So they're they're playing at a high level. No question. No question. You talk about the turnovers uh, so far, six interceptions on the season. We know about the two interceptions returned for touchdowns by Riley Moss in that first game. Uh, secondary is really playing amazingly. We can't forget the fumble recovery against Iowa State by Jack Campbell. This, this is a. Uh, let me not – I'll be remiss not to mention my man uh, that, had, that, that we had on, Matt Hankins. He, he also has two interceptions. So this, this secondary, this defense is flying around. Dave, let me ask you this, man. You know, we talked a little bit about this the last game. We talked about the three-three-five and how difficult that three-three-five is to, to run against and whatnot. But moving forward throughout the season, we know that we're going to see various aspects that defenses will try to instill against our offense, man. What do you think that three-three-five may have opened the doors for, and, and how do we – look forward moving, I should say, how do we 
improve moving forward, looking at uh, all kinds of various looks that defenses will be look, giving us on offense. Yeah, with that, uh, that three three five, it exposed that our offensive line and our running back aren't totally in sync yet, right? There were lanes in the cutback uh, on the backside that we missed, and they kind of opened and closed. We, 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 we hinted on that last time because, you know, Fred Russell had to line up farther back just to have things timed up perfectly so that when he got into the line and he was able to press it, it gave the offensive line time to run with their, de- with their defenders and let that, that lane open up so we can actually see it and hit it. As, we're gonna, as we move forward, we may see more of that as they see that we are not in quite uh, what we call it congruency. Our continuity is just a little off, and they, they're going to throw some different looks at us. I mean, that, that, that's what happens, right? If you can't handle something, if we're not handling a blitz really well, if we're not passing off twists or whatever that is uh, as an offensive line, if our, if our running backs are not picking up um, you know, their guys in the pass protection, you're going to be sure to see that later in the season because all these coaches, they're watching the film and saying, okay, this is a weakness. How can we use that to our advantage? And right now we have shown them quite a few things that they can take advantage of, uh, you know, belling our technique, things of that nature. Now, they're going to show us different fronts, especially with our uh, lack of uh, experience. They're going to try to confuse our guys. That's when they really have to sit into their technique and trust it. Once they start getting confidence and they're able to trust their technique and trust their eyes and actually out there just playing, then we're going to be the fewer things they're going to see out there. They're going to start playing us straight up. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, these are definitely the the uh, how the, the season goes. I mean, clearly you start off the season one way and you, you have your plan and you focus on what, you're, what you are as an offense, what you are as a defense, and you take that into your season and you, you, you obviously game plan against different teams, what works best against those teams, and you grow as a team, especially when you have young starters on the offensive line, which is clearly the most important uh, group of guys on the offense. So it's going to be interesting, obviously, like you mentioned, uh, as they continue to grow and gel, uh, game experience will give them, will offer them opportunities to continue to do so. So let's, uh, let's, let's shift gears. Let's, let's move on, you know, because we got to talk about uh, this upcoming week, the number five Iowa Hawkeyes at home again at Kinnick Stadium right there on Duke Slater Field. I love to say that, Duke Slater Field. Man, we got to make sure we pay homage to that, man. Duke Slater Field. Very important to make, make that mention. Uh, the Hawks have never played the Rams, but there is still familiarity. Head coach Steve Adazio was Boston College's head coach. He was actually the boss over there at Boston College when Iowa played them in the, uh, the Pinstripe Bowl up there in New York back in 2017. So they have some familiarity, so much so that Coach Ferentz is quoted as saying this. You see a lot of similarities between what they were, do, what they were doing in Boston College and what they're doing at Colorado State not only in terms of scheme, but also the way their guys play. They're a big team, physical team, especially up front. They do a really good job. So dug into Colorado State a little bit. They, they have one of the nations, I would say, Dave, Jovan, we would uh, probably agree that uh, Iowa is currently considered tight end U. You know, there's a lot of great tight ends that – have come out of the University of Iowa. We can name a few, George Kittle, Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, all those gentlemen are still playing in the league today. Uh, I feel like Sam Laporta is going to be right up there with them. But uh, across the ball from them, uh, on the opposite roster, we have maybe one of the best tight ends in college football, all of college football, actually. 
um, Colorado State's uh, Trey McBride. He leads all Division I college football players in receptions uh, this season with 30, going into Saturday's showdown with the Hawks. NFL scouts are raving about him, and opponents have him circled as the number one guy that they have to focus in on for that, for that team. His 330 yards are 12th in the nation. Again, regardless of position, receivers, running backs, it doesn't matter. His 330 yards receiving is 12th in the nation. Uh, Colorado State had 110 passing yards last week, and McBride had 109 of them. Yeah. So um, I got a couple of quotes, interesting quotes, you know, uh, one, one being from Kurt, old coach Ferris over there. He said, you're probably going to see uh, as good a tight end as there is in the country. They've got a guy who's really playing well, a local guy. He's a really good football player. He's a, he's, his brother's playing pretty good as well, but he's an outstanding tight end. And that's from Coach Ferris from the, uh, the Saturday Tribune. He's got another quote. He's been a problem for many teams. We know we have, we have to be physically ready to stop him. And that's Iowa linebacker Justin Jacobs, who will be lined up right there across the line of scrimmage from him. So, Jovan, I'm going to jump to you first, man. You know, when you have an offensive playmaker like uh, Colorado State does, what kind of things do defenses have to do to kind of focus on trying to, I uh, may not be able to control him, but, you know, to try to limit his productivity? Uh, you, you First, you got you to gotta know where he is at all times. You know, you can't lose track of a guy who has, you know, that type of playmaking ability. Um, you know, they're going to mix some things up with coverage, uh, making sure that the linebackers are, are in the right spots underneath and allow the safeties to play over the top kind of bracket him a little bit, uh, try to limit his touches as much as possible. Um, but when you have, depending on, on you know, how often they're going to try to get him the football, you know, their coach uh, Parker's going to have to leave those corners on the island and then put some more emphasis on that tight end because, you know, when you have 109 yards out of 110 passing yards, you know, that that that's a, a big statistic that you got to really take uh, into consideration because he's getting the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. No question. Um, they're led by Todd Centeno at quarterback. He's gone um, 60 for 170, 107 attempts for 652 uh, passing yards with three touchdowns, one interception, and he's been sacked twice. Uh, but he's also a huge running threat, just like we saw against Kent State. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, he's the second leading rusher on their team behind David Bailey, uh, running back, who, uh, who has 64 carries for 258 yards and two touchdowns in his own right. Um, McBride, like I mentioned, is leading the team and leading the, the leading college football with 30 receptions. The next closest guy on his team is a young man by David by the name of David Wright. Uh, his, his totals are 10 receptions for 146 yards. So clearly they know how to get the ball to their man, McBride. David, talk to us a little bit about that. When you know that you have a guy who uh, – has the abilities that this young man does and you have a quarterback who scrambles and makes plays with his legs, what kind of, what kind of stuff do you figure uh, will be some of the focus that we have to focus on from a defensive perspective on these guys? It's going to be containment, right? If we can keep that quarterback in the pocket, right? Limit his mobility, get the defensive ends. I'm going to call it uh, up the field, get our defensive tackles pushing the pocket and forcing him to stay in that pocket. I don't know if we have to, if you guys put a spy on him or, or whatever, you know, have him one man on man, just so we make sure we contain him and then somehow bracket with our, with our DBs and linebackers 
Brackett and, and Trey was one of the best receivers in the country, best tight ends in the country. Um, then we have a really good chance. You know, our D line has been pressure hungry. They, they get back there fast and they love imposing their will. We have an explosive defensive line. Our linebackers hit really hard and our DBs are ball hungry. So with that combination there, I do expect us to do a really good job of keeping contained and making sure that um, that tight end, you know, we have him pretty well in a bubble. So just blanking. We do all that. I think we're going to do really well. That offense knows how to score. You know, they have what, 408 yards total for the season. They're doing a really good job of just getting on the field and sustaining drives. You know, not, of it's, not a lot of it's uh, <laughs> uh, resulting in, in points. They're averaging about 22. We're right at 30. So, um, but they know how to move the ball. They're passing. They're at 228 uh, on average per game, where we're at 154. All right, so sustaining a drive is something that they do well. And part of that has to be the mobility of the quarterback. And then you also have the, one of the best tight ends in the country over there in uh, Trey McBride. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, it definitely puts puts an emphasis on, uh, like you mentioned, rush lanes, contain, and making sure that you keep a guy like that in the pocket, which the Hawks did a great job of doing so last week against uh, Kroon, who uh, over there with uh, Kent State. So it's going to be very interesting in terms of what, what kind of game plan Phil Parker comes up with in terms of, you know, corralling this guy. But also, you know, you have such a weapon at, with, with McBride there who – Clearly, um, you know, has all the intangibles, has everything that you need in terms of tight end position. It's going to be interesting because Jalen Jackson is going to be the guy that's going to be lined up over him mostly as that Leo slash Jack linebacker. So it's going to be interesting as to how that battle plays out on Saturday. So shifting over to the offensive side, it's going to be a traditional 4-3 type of scheme from from Colorado State. I'm going to be interested in seeing how, you know, the run game, how does it take the next step? Dave, I got to ask you, how does it take the next step against a traditional 4-3 scheme? You know, you saw this 3-3-5 last week. You know, that caused all kinds of havoc and all kinds of different uh, various difficulties for the offensive line. What does going back to a 4-3 type of scheme against a, a Colorado State uh, defense, what do you feel like that's going to – how does how does our offense match up against that defense? I think our offense will match up pretty well. I mean, when you're looking at a 4-3 in the running game, I mean, we're mainly a zone running offense, right? We do some gap stuff every once in a while, but it's mainly zone. Now, depending on the defense that you're that you're facing, all that mind, only thing, all that all that means is that the hole opens up at different positions or different points, right? Now, as as opposed to it being possibly back here behind the behind the the tackle, now it's in front of the tackle. It's where the tackle and guard may be there. All right, that's going to be your cutoff point, depending on where that defensive tackle lines up and which which direction we're going. So it's going to be a little bit closer into the center as opposed to more to the backside. All right, so we're going to we're pushing more toward the front. So you're going to see the hole start to open up either in the front of the, where we're running or more toward the middle where we're running. All right, and then obviously we've got to do what we need to do on the on the O line, which is drive our defensive linemen back to the second level. Right, get them. And push them back all the way back to the to the to the linebackers, and like I said, we want to be sticky. We don't want to like catch the linebackers as they're coming to us. We want to drive the guy back there and make sure that we push him into the linebacker. Right, meet them. That's once we start doing that, the holes are going to open up. You know, we get that pushback, and 
you know, the cutback doesn't come back quite as far. It's going to come back just a little bit less. And once we get that going, I mean, like I said, get that experience with our, our offensive line and our running back and our fullback, getting us all on the same page and having the timing work really well, they'll see, be able to see the holes a lot better. No question. No question. And like we mentioned before, perhaps alignment may help with that as well. But uh, that's, that's something that I'm sure that uh, Coach Dell Betts is over there coaching them up with. Uh, those aren't things we got to concern ourselves with. But it's interesting. You know, it's always interesting because it's constant growth. We all know that the NFL, sorry, the college season, it's, it's, it starts a certain way in terms of feeling yourself out, making sure that you know who you are as a team, and then you grow and you assert yourself and you continue to grow. So it's, it's interesting to me because it's still a very young Iowa Hawkeye football team that has not played their best football yet. So I'm interested in seeing if that's this week or, you know, if, if, if that is yet to be done. So we're going to continue with that. And we're going to continue to see how they grow. So, Joe, let me ask you, man, you've had the opportunity to see Spencer Petrus, you know, just like myself last year, this year, Talk to me a little bit about the growth that you've seen from him, uh, how he has to manage his offense, how he is a, a quarterback who has done a fantastic job of ball control, uh, zero interceptions on, on the season, two touchdowns, two passing touchdowns, rushing touchdown. How have you seen the maturation of Spencer Petrus and his command of this offense? Yeah, you can just tell that, that he's getting familiar with, you know, what they want to do in the pass game, you know, the play action pass, the boots and things of that nature. Um, he's he's taking advantage of uh, using his tight ends to his advantage. And, you know, he's not making mistakes. You don't never want a quarterback to go out there and, and, you know, throw interceptions, put the ball in the other team's hands. He's doing a hell of a job of managing the offense, keeping them on the field, keeping the sticks moving, uh, not making those critical mistakes. And I think that's the, the part of him that has continued to uh, grow. And, and that's a big reason why the offense is, is uh, staying on the field and, and allowing them to, to sustain drives. And uh, he's leaning on his running backs. You know, his running backs are playing well. He's handing the ball off and, um, and letting those guys run. So um, he's just continuing to grow. And I think that's, that's big for the offense and a and big reason why the team is where they are right now. No question. No question. I read these stats off to you on the season. He's 49 of 84 for 460 yards passing, uh, two touchdowns passing, and as well as, the one uh, rush that he had for the touchdown, uh, Tyler Goodson. He had a tremendous game last game as well. He's he's already up to five touchdowns on the season, man, with three hundred total, three hundred and seven total yards. Um, Dave, we talked running game. We talked Tyler Goodson, um, man. I'm I'm interested. Just really quick, quick snippet, man. Tell me, tell me what you've seen out of him. This young guy. I mean, he's only in what his second year. I mean, he's taking over that that starting role last year and. Uh, it, the ceiling for this young man is tremendous. It, it really is. He's a junior for us, for us this junior. year, right? Junior. Is that junior? He's yeah. a junior this year. Yes. And he is averaging about five yards a carry. And that's without our offensive line actually being in, like, congruency. We're not – we don't have that continuity yet, right? We have some young guys at offensive line, and he's in there, and he's – getting the ball now. He's just getting started. Everybody's just getting started. So like you said, the potential is great for this offensive line or for this offense, for this team too. We have yet to see their best game. We haven't put together a complete game yet, right? When we, as we get the running back, the fullback and the offensive line and the tight ends all doing the same thing and being on the same page and all in complete uh, 
God, continuity, then you're going to see this game just explode. I mean, his last game, what do you have? My goodness, I forgot what he did. Yeah, 143, 153 yards, and three. That's right. Right. That will come become a standard. That'll just become the standard of what we do, because that's who we are. I know we're we're tight in you. We were O line you for a very long time. Coach Ferentz is still one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. He hasn't lost a lot of us, a lot of that knowledge. We're going to have really good offensive linemen as we go through this. All right. We have good running backs. We're going to continue to have good running backs and the tight ends are going to work well with the offensive line and the pass game as well. But as they start to mature and work together and have better cohesion, that's going to be our standard. Right. This kid, he, He's amazing. He really is. He runs well. As he s- starts to see the holes better, uh, I expect great things out of this. No doubt. No doubt. He is definitely running extremely well. Uh, preseason all Big Ten, and he definitely fits the bill, man. And uh, one of a long line of running backs that come through that program uh, that has, you know, he, he has the tenacity, the strength, the power, and more than anything, the speed. Like, the guy has has burned so many angles. It's been insane, like, how, how well he's been running so far. But, you know, it does it, – obviously, it's a team effort, you know. It's, uh, okay. It takes everybody. Those receivers, the tight end, Sam Laporta, you know, those guys stretching the field, making those, uh, making those defenders open up those lanes kind of helps out the offensive line and Tyler Goodson. Um, Joe, talk to me quick, really quick, man, about what you've seen out of this receiving group. You know, like I mentioned, Sam Laporta is the, the leading guy. That's Spencer's favorite guy. He's got 13 catches for 169 yards and a touchdown. Um, but you also got Nico Regani, Ty, uh, Tyrone Tracy, um, Charlie Jones. Who do you feel is going to be the guy that emerged this week as the go-to guy for, for Spencer Petras? Yeah, I mean, you know, Laporta is always going to be his go-to guy, you know, at, it, historically at Iowa in the offense, the tight ends have been the, the staple, but um, Tracy is continuing to uh, be a leader in the, in the receiver room. Uh, Jones, I think is one of those guys that can stretch the field. He can do so much. He's really talented in the way he plays. You know, he can return kicks. He can, he can stretch the field. He can take the deep throws, uh, take the top off the defense. Um, he's going to be a guy that, that you can look to, to be, uh, one of the big playmakers in the offense for the Hawkeyes because he, he's able to stretch the field. And and when you have a guy who can stretch the field, you know, you, it allows you to take some shots and, and make some plays, uh, some big plays. Um, but Tracy, I think, is is the guy who, you know, is the consistent, you know, under the radar guy who, who gets it done. Um, and he's just going to continue to help that offense evolve. But Laporta is going to be the target. He's going to be the go-to guy. He's going to be the guy that that everybody uh, expects him to be week in and week out. No doubt. No. Definitely a consistent receiving group uh, led by Sam Laporta. He's a big target and kind of just another guy along the, the same lines of tight end you. So I'm excited. You know, I, I agree with you. You know, I, I would hope to – I want to see one of those other guys break out this week. I want to see a huge game out of Charlie Jones. You mentioned – I want to see an even bigger game out of Tyrone Tracy. You know, that guy has been doing all the grunt work and hard work and dirty work and been showing up for the last couple of years, man. I want to see him continue to progress and grow. So, with that, I got to ask you guys down to the end of the show. David, let me start with you. You've been a part of the show a little bit longer, a little bit of seniority here. So, Tell us what your three keys to an Iowa victory are for this week. So my three keys, this has to be a statement game. 
right? We got to get out and make a statement. We are, uh, we're worthy of this number five ranking, all right? Last week, we came out a little slow, just kind of a little sluggish, like, hey, we're Iowa. No, we have to actually show it. Uh, to, I, want us, I want us to start fast, right? Get out there, get that, our, our starters to get out there, hit them hard, hit them in the mouth, and, and start fast and start rolling. Uh, last week, we came out, we were very list, just listless, just really sluggish. Let's start fast and make this really uh, a quick game. Like halftime, great. Hey, guys, starters, halfway through the third, you're out. I would love for that to happen. And then, yeah, that's it, number three. Get our starters out so we can actually get some rest and get ready for the regular season. We need to get ready for the regular season. That is coming. Big Ten is coming. And you know how it is then. We hit, they hit hard, and it doesn't stop. So those are my three keys. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Joe, the floor is yours, man. What are your three keys? Uh, I would have to say, uh, first and foremost, number one, win on first down, uh, offensively and defensively. Uh, offensively, stay ahead of the sticks. Uh, establish the run and, and, you know, impose your will on the opponent uh, defensively, you know, stop them on first down, make them get behind the sticks so that we could allow our, our secondary and linebackers to make some plays in the pass game and contain that quarterback. Uh, secondly, um, you know, be good on special teams, um, continue to, to, you know, keep teams bottled up on special teams and uh, be outstanding in the special teams game. And then third, um, just try to create some turnovers, get the ball back to the offense the way they have uh, throughout this whole season, um, continue to be a force defensively and, and limit the, the opponent's uh, opportunity to have the ball. Uh, I think those would be my three keys. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you in every regards, man. I think both of you guys have some key, uh, key points this week. My keys start mostly on the side is most important uh, to Iowa's football. And that's the special teams. Uh, Torrey Taylor, I want to see him continue to do, man, that guy is a weapon, right? I mean, he pins offenses inside the 10, five on a consistent basis, puts our offense, uh, puts our, 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 our defense in a position just like we had this, this past week uh, to get the safety because it, it starts with the punt that goes inside of the five yard line. So it's there, I want to see, him continue with that success on his route to being the Luke Bros Award winner. And then, or was that a Ray Guy Award winner? One of those punter award winner for that. Uh, next, I want to see my man Charlie Jones. Joe, you made mention to him earlier on uh, in, in, in the broadcast. And, you know, he's had, he has an explosive niche to himself, right? He's, he's a guy that uh, he, just, he just needs a little bit of wiggle room and he has the potential to break that thing to the house. So, I called for it last week. I'm calling for it again this week. I want to see a, a return to the house by Charlie Jones. And then third and finally, I want to see how this offense uh, fares again, especially this run game. I want to see how it continues to fare and continues to grow. So I want to see that take the next step against another quality opponent. Um, and, you know, this offense continues to roll. So, and I, I would say key to the game, part B, Three part B is Spencer Petrus's ability to continue to take care of the ball. Zero interceptions on the season. Colorado State has zero interceptions on the season. Let's continue that same trend uh, after this weekend's game. So those are my three keys to the game. And yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking, man. So, fellas, Dave, I think you say you got a question for Joe. What you got, man? Yeah, man. I just want to follow up on our pregame stuff. Like, 
you know, Joe, you got some really beautiful girls, dude. <laughs> what? What's up, man? I just want to know. Like, who did they after? Like, this is amazing. Oh. I put up the picture on Facebook and everything. Like, here it is. They look amazing. I just, like, wow. That's so cute. Like, how that hey. so, hey. so, what is the point of you, you want to take? So, okay. So, everybody who's listening in right now, prior to me hitting the record button, uh, there was a comment that was made. I made a comment that I saw, you know, I get a chance to see Jovan's children. This is two gorgeous daughters on, on gorgeous. Facebook, Instagram and stuff. I made a comment that they you have two gorgeous daughters, man. I love seeing them. And Jovan said they Jovan, what was the what was the what did you say right now? I know what you say, Jovan. I'm not going to go. See, see, Dave, you, you, you gonna get college started. You know, I know, I know how he is. I'm not going there again with y'all on no live. I'm not doing it. Cause I know he's gonna rip me a new one and, and I, 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 no, no, what happened, man? What what did I do? I don't understand. I, what I, 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 what I, happened? I, I don't know what you're talking about. I played the fifth. <laughs> All right. Hey, sure. page. Don't on. let David pull you into. I, I appreciate you do exactly what you did because he. Unfortunately, I, I deal with this guy on a regular basis, and he all too often tries to bully his way into. I'm not bullying to to create certain situations. Listen, it's, I stand yeah. behind what I what how my reaction was, David. I said to you that hey. My, I have a daughter as well, and people say, people say that she looks like me. Um, she's a beautiful little girl, um, so I can't say that I'm, I'm an unattractive person, right? I, I played some kind of role to that, so I'm mm -hmm. not going to go there and say that anything I'm, in regards to what you're trying to get out of this, right? No, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you didn't you say, people say it about you. I don't self-proclimate. People say, I'm, I'm, you know what? That dude, that's that man. Mm. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I like my little people. You know I do. Love you, dude. Yes. Love you, man. <laughs> so, um, with that, yeah, with that hey, you know, Ugh. you never know what you're gonna get on the show, right? It's it's uh, it's, it's quite interesting most times. But with that, with that, uh, I appreciate you all for joining the show today. It's been very entertaining. We look forward to. Saturday at uh, I believe 3:30 I believe it is uh, kickoff for for the uh, for the Iowa Hawks against the Colorado State Rams out there on Duke Slater Field at Kinnick Stadium. So guys, tune in and make sure that you tune in and be loud, right? Get your black and gold going. So excited for the upcoming game. Let's get 4-0 and uh, let's go. Let's go with it, guys. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. And with that, thank you guys for joining the show, Joe. David, I appreciate y'all for joining me, man. If y'all got anything left to say, please say it now. Or for him, hold your peace, baby. All good, man. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Go Hawks. There it is. There it is. Just with that, again, go Hawks. Thank you guys again for joining us on Hawk Talk. And uh, we'll see you next time. Take care and God bless. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.